Okay, welcome along to another episode of the How I Caught the Wrestling Bug podcast. I'm David Lovell, and I'd like to say, joining me on this episode, all the way from, uh, is it uh, Victoria? That's right. British Columbia, Canada, M- Mr. Preet Paul. Preet, how's it going? I'm doing well. How are you doing today, David? I'm doing really well. Yeah, really glad to have you on. It's it's been a bit of a Canadian invasion on this uh, on this podcast. We've had a we've had a plethora of of Canadian guests uh, just Sorry. recently. But um, just to give some people uh, sort of context as to as to who you are, I, I I found some of the stuff you sent me really fascinating. So you are, like I say, you're from Victoria, uh, and yeah. uh, you have the is it the leading SIBO and IBS laboratory uh, called SIBO Diagnostics. Right, yes. And so I'm a uh, owner of a laboratory called SIBO Diagnostics. And uh, what SIBO stands for, in case most people out there probably don't know, um, stands for Small Intestinal Bacterial Overgrowth, or SIBO for short. Uh, some people around the world pronounce it SIBO, but most people pronounce it SIBO for short. And essentially, SIBO is the most common cause behind IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. And I'm a, I'm a clinician. I'm a, um, a medical pra- clinician, so I have a practice as well here in Victoria. My uh, specialty, my expertise is SIBO and IBS and also IBD, things like Crohn's disease and colitis. And so I got the practice, and uh, we also got this laboratory which can test for SIBO and uh, we uh, help doctors across Canada test their patients. And this is the uh, the first wrestling podcast you've done, uh, but you're not not really a stranger to doing podcasts because um, you do. Uh, is it? Uh, I can never know how you say it. it it's uh, um, webinars, right? Yeah. So I've done a couple of medical podcasts with other medical practitioners, but no wrestling before. This is my first time diving into a pro wrestling podcast. And I'm very excited about that. Um, but uh, yes, I also provide educational medical educational webinars for. Um, other doctors in uh, North America as well. And do your colleagues know that you are a wrestling fan? Is that is that something you can sort of talk to them about, or will they be surprised to learn that you're a you're a fan of yeah. wrestling? Well, well, my my good my good friends that are colleagues definitely know, and uh, and so. Uh, but I'd say probably uh, out of my colleagues that uh, at least I know if they're wrestling fans or not, I'm probably the the lone one. But um, I definitely have uh, other people close to my life that are big wrestling fans. I know that you're going to be doing uh, Paul Fontaine's YouTube show, um, Cup of Joe yeah, at yeah. Grandpa Dares. I'm, I'm sure that you're you're delving some of that uh, with him. So I don't want right. to I don't want to tread on uh, uh, Paul's toes too much here. But uh, obviously, sure. we we talk about wrestling on this podcast, and it's all about finding out how you became a fan in the first place, really, and how your your fandoms evolved over the years. So. If we were going to go back to how you got into it in the first place, uh, what is your earliest memory of, of wrestling? So my earliest memory, and I'm sure I saw, but you probably have other people say this to you all the time, that they have a memory, but they probably started seeing some wrestling before the memory. But my definitely my distinct memory stuck with me my whole life since childhood was, and I think a lot of people say this one, is the Ricky Steamboat, Macho Man Randy Savage, ring bell to the throat angle. Um, back in uh, late 1986 and uh, I remember it was on uh, Superstars for Wrestling this uh, WWF program back then um, and I just remember it so distinctly because I was uh, I would have been six years old at that time in 86 
And uh, obviously then, you know, like a much, actually much of the world did, even as an adult at the time, still believed wrestling was real. So as a six-year-old, when I saw that happen, it was ingrained in my mind because I saw this man, uh, you know, try to essentially try to kill another wrestler in the <laughs> ring with the ring bell. And, 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 but I was fascinated by it, and I just remember it so well. And, um, and so uh, that's my first memory, and that led to me being a big Ricky Steamboat fan in my early childhood. Um, and, uh, but that's definitely the first thing that comes to mind. And that, that leads us on nicely to the next question, which is uh, which wrestlers captured your imagination as a kid so ricky steamboat would have been the the first yeah. one to really do that ricky steamboat for sure and I, I should say too like so from the age of like six to maybe 10 or 11 i would just catch wrestling here or there um you know here at least in our west coast part of canada uh it might have been a lot different in uh central or eastern canada at that time but you know, we got certain TV programming, certain TV stations, and, um, you know, WWF was pretty much the only wrestling on TV, at least in the mid-80s in my area that I ever caught. Um, as we got closer in the late 80s, early 90s, there'd be like AWA sprinkled in on random TV channels and some NWA, WCW eventually. But So I would catch mainly WWF programming here or there, and, but I wasn't like an avid fan where I made my parents like buy the pay-per-views and all that stuff in the late 80s but Ricky Steamboat was definitely uh my uh, first favorite wrestler because of that whole thing and I wanted him to get revenge of course and you know see the good guy be victorious which he was obviously at Wrestlemania 3 um but definitely my number one uh favorite wrestler soon after that probably started in the late 80s very early 90s with Bret Hart well, like many Canadians except for Paul Fontaine I gotta call him out on that one um, but, uh, but, Bret, but Bret Hart was definitely my, my all-time favourite, still is. Yeah, that is a very common answer, like I say, apart from with, with Paul Fontaine. Um, but he was an Owen guy, so we, we kind of let him off for that. Right. I mean, yeah, you, you know, I, I loved Owen as well. So, right. um, But um, what was the first live show that you attended? So the first live show I attended would have been in... Um, 1995. It took me a long time to actually get to a live show, even though in the early 90s I became much more of an avid WWF fan, Bret Hart fan. Um, it was uh, a show here in Victoria, house show. And we at that time had this really old arena called Memorial Arena, and uh, it was it was a piece of crap. And even back then it was. <laughs> it's been replaced now, which is nice. But um, WWF would come here to Victoria once in a while at that time, or even in the early 90s, late 80s, uh, but not that often. Uh, and for people that don't know, Victoria, we're on what's called Vancouver Island, which is just off the coast of Vancouver. So Vancouver is just a ferry ride away. And so I think WF at that time probably came to Vancouver a lot more. Actually, I know they did at that time. So anyways, 95, um, it was a house show. And it was right at that moment when WF business was really tanking. Diesel was the champion. Um, so I remember the main event was Diesel versus Yokozuna uh, for the title. And... Um, yeah, I just remember the reason why I remember that WF business was not very good. Our arena here in Victoria, pretty small arena, and it was maybe a third full. And it was, like, empty seats galore. And, uh, but it was my first show. I was 15 years old, I guess, at that time. So I was excited for it. And uh, one of the interesting things, I don't remember a lot of the matches from it, um, but what I do remember is this is around the time that Goldust was about to debut. And we'd only seen vignettes on TV leading up to it, like they used to do. Uh, but he actually was doing house show 
uh, appearances before that. So we got to see Goldust and what he looked like and, and all that before um, he uh, debuted on TV. So I remember that was a big surprise and that was kind of an exciting thing. I assume that Brett was on that uh, card. Do you remember who we who we faced? You know what? He wasn't on the card. So oh. Just, yeah, and it's because I'm pretty sure, I'd have to look this up, but I'm almost 100% confident this is when he took time off to do some filming. And uh, so it was... Uh, oh, okay. I remember when Not... this was. But it, I, think, it, I know he was taking time off, and so I knew going into it he wasn't going to be on the card, and um, unfortunately he wasn't. Uh, but I've seen Brett wrestle live after that. So I remember him taking time off after WrestleMania 12, obviously, uh, which was 96. I, I didn't remember him taking time yeah. off in 95, but yeah. I yeah, mean. yeah. I don't know if it was just a short thing, but um, I do remember knowing going into the show he wasn't going to be there, and uh, because, you know, Canada Tour, you think he would be, right? So, uh, But I remember going in knowing he wasn't, so there must have been something like they didn't an injury angle, or, or at that time, obviously, 95 was 15 years old, I was already into, you know, quote-unquote, the dirt sheets and all that, so I probably already knew uh, what was going on. And so you, you, be- you became a fan, you said, in about, sort of, 86. Uh, so from that point to now... Mm-hmm. Is there any sort of point in that, uh, any sort of time frame where you weren't following wrestling at all? Were you kind of completely, you know, s- sort of stopped watching or sort of drifted away from it for any reason? Yeah, most definitely. Um, this is probably the same answer a lot of people give, is that, so I was definitely not a fan, especially as the Monday Night Wars uh, began in the late 90s. Um, and at that time, uh, I had a very close friend um, who was like my wrestling buddy. And on, on Monday nights, we'd go to his house and we'd watch Raw Live and record Nitro and then watch Nitro afterwards on VHS. Uh, so Monday nights was a huge thing for us all the time. And so big, big time fans. And we did tons of road trips for shows outside of Victoria. And we can get into that later on as well if you have questions about that. But big time fan. But then like a lot of people... In the early 2000s, uh, definitely started to watch less and less. And for me personally, it was for a couple of reasons. One is I wasn't quite as interested in the product at that time. I mean, it still has a really good product, especially compared to today. Um, but it was a combination of that and WCW dying, and that competition was kind of gone, and what you know drove Vince McMahon and the exciting Monday Night shows and and all of that. But the other big reason was in the early 2000s. I was entering my early 20s, and life just gets a lot busier, you know, post-high uh, school education, and working, and things such as that, just other things taking my interest. So I would say probably um, around 2004, maybe 2005, I really just kind of stopped, and I kind of keep tabs on it here or there, uh, more some years more than others, uh, reading up on it, maybe not watching full shows that often, or watching too many pay-per-views, um, but then... In um, about 2017, I started to kind of get back into it a bit, um, and uh, sorry, 2016, started to get back into it a bit just by following, uh, you know, uh, listening to podcasts with Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer and all that, just kind of getting back into it that way. And then in 2017, I think it was 2017, but it was the WrestleMania where uh, Roman wrestled uh, Triple H and Roman won the title at WrestleMania. I think it was in Dallas. Was it Dallas? I can't remember, but um, that was yeah. WrestleMania. I was like, you know what, I'm going to get them to the network here in Canada, and I'm going to watch it, because they have the deal, right, like three months free or whatever. And I watched it, or I, we did that, and what I did was at that time, my son, 
who's 13 years old now, so obviously he was younger at this time, he ended up watching it with me, and he, that was like, when he does this podcast with you, David, you know, maybe 20 years from now, um, <laughs> he'll tell you that that was his first memory of wrestling, was watching that WrestleMania, and he was mesmerized by it. And so, because he got so into it, he pulled me right back in to watching weekly. And that's when we started watching Raw and SmackDown and NXT uh, was after that WrestleMania. So, but yeah, it was quite a few years there where I was definitely in and out. Yeah, well, I think yeah, the, the podcast is called How I Caught the Wrestling Bug. I think it's fair to say once you've caught it, even though you don't really follow it or you don't follow it religiously, you kind of half know what's going on because like you say you uh during that time you would still sort of keep tabs on what was going on um so yeah i think it's, it's great that sort of it was your son sort of becoming a fan that sort of pulled you back into watching it again that's, that's I, I really like that i think that's i think that's great because um because yeah. I think I think now there's so much wrestling as well for him to sort of sink his teeth into. Um, kind of feel a little bit jealous in a way that we didn't have all that content when we were younger. But right. uh, I, you know, it's, there's so much out there now. But what what are your sort of viewing habits now? I mean, do you watch? Uh, I mean, most people don't watch any WWE at all. Uh, most guests I have on, yeah, they might watch the pay per views. Uh, they certainly watch WrestleMania, but they they don't watch Raw and SmackDown. But do you still watch? Uh, Raw and SmackDown each week? Not really. <laughs> Not at this point. So, to give you kind of timeline of how this happened was, uh, so when my son really got into it, um, we started watching definitely weekly, Monday Night Raw, SmackDown, and that's SmackDown was on Tuesday still, and uh, NXT, um, which I think was just, on, yeah, it was just on the network at that time, so we'd watch that when we, when we found the time, but... Um, we definitely got in the habit of doing it, and it, it was, you know, every week. And, yeah, WWE had a lot of problems even back then with the way they booked. But it, it, when I think back to that time when I was more into it with my son, I would personally still look forward to watching the shows. Um, and today, I can't say that at all. And it's for various reasons we can get into. But, um, but today, right now, like, what we'll do is uh, we'll still PDR everything, still record everything. Uh, but we now pick and choose, definitely when it comes to WWE programming. Now, their pay-per-views or premium live events, I think just changed the name to. Um, we definitely watch every single one of those, no matter what. Even if you haven't watched for four weeks or it's been two weeks or whatever it may be, we'll watch those. So we just watched the day one uh, premium live event uh, the other day. And even though we have watched very little of, them, uh, of the product in the you know throughout December, we're still interested enough to watch it. And uh, so we'll still do that. But... We'll pick and choose. And my son, he's a big, big Seth Rollins fan. Like that was who he gravitated towards right when we started watching because what happened was uh, right after that WrestleMania is when Seth came back after his serious knee injury. And we we're watching the next pay-per-view, I think it was Roman versus AJ Styles. And Roman beat AJ, and then Seth Rollins came running down. And I knew Seth Rollins was my son. I'd never seen him before. And this is the first time he saw an angle like that where someone just came shooting out. Crowd goes nuts and took out Roman. Um, and he became an instant Seth Rollins fan, even though he was a heel. And so um, he's uh, still a huge Seth Rollins fan. And uh, we can get I can get into some uh, some of the you know, times that I've had uh, my son meet Seth Rollins and all that as well later on. But um, so we'll still go our way to watch Seth Rollins uh, matches and segments on on Raw and some other mini matches that we hear that are good or angles that seem to be good, which is few and far between, I'll admit. But 
that's how we'll do it now. Um, but we definitely make sure to keep tabs, keep up on things, and definitely watch the uh, pay-per-views. Oh, now, okay, so that's WWF. So maybe you're leading to this. Now, AEW, we are huge fans, as I know you know. Um, so that's part of this, too, because there's only so many hours in a week. And my son's also getting older now. He's 13, and he's got, you know, those teenager things he wants to do with right now. He just uh, took off with his friend on the bus to go to the, you know, go work out at the other friend's house. And he got stuff to do. I got, I lost my list very busy. So we got to pick and choose. And with WWE's product going down in our eyes, um, well, we have AEW. And we were AEW fans from the get-go, even before AEW existed. My son and I would also watch New Japan Wrestling. Um, and, uh, you know, as we're recording this, Wrestle Kingdom Night 2 is about to start. Um, I haven't watched Night 1 yet. Uh, I haven't heard the greatest things about most of the card, but um, we didn't even watch things like that. So my son was, he, he knew a lot about those other guys that were not WWE guys. So when AEW, so like Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes, the box. So when AEW was started, we definitely loved it from the get-go. So that we definitely watch every week. We'll watch Dynamite, we'll watch Rampage. Um, we'll uh, watch a lot of the YouTube stuff that they do, the Road 2s for each episode. So that one we're both heavily into. We come on now to what I... When I first devised the idea of this podcast, I thought the, the first set of questions would take quite a bit of time and the second set of questions would be more sort of rapid fire uh-huh. what i found is it's actually the, the opposite of that <laughs> so uh, what i call rapid fire questions is really not rapid fire at all but i think i may know the answer to this first one or i can maybe guess it but the first question is favorite wrestler of all time Right, it is Bret Hart, yeah. and yeah, it's, it's going to be that way till the day I go, so uh, doesn't matter who comes along, doesn't matter in this generation or next generation, I just got that nostalgia for Bret, um, you know, as, like with many Canadian wrestling fans, like he, he really was a hero to a lot of us growing up, and um, so when he says stuff like that and people kind of mock him for saying that or insult him, being like, oh, he takes this too seriously, like Sean would always say that, Triple H would say that, other fans would say that. It's like, but he, but he saw it firsthand how, uh, how much he was revered in, or is revered in this country. And uh, he really was a hero of mine growing up. Um, you know, as a like, 10, 11, 12, 13 year old, my bedroom as a 11, 12 year old was just pictures of Bret Hart cut up and then pasted to my wall. So like a Bret Hart collage from like wrestling magazines and all that, um, and uh, and I would get so I still remember um, the Owen Hart Bret Hart steel cage match in '94. Um, me, me and my wrestling buddy were watching it at the pay per view, and uh, obviously like at that time I knew everything was a work. I knew everything, that, but I just still remember being so at this the edge of my seat about like all their cage escapes and everything so I just so I just wanted for it to be Owen and get you know I was so into that feud and I still I loved Owen but you know but the uh, you know Kate Fade part of me was like oh, he's got to lose he's got to lose he can't win and um, and then when I watch that cage match again today is like it's just 30 minutes of them trying to escape from each other <laughs> so it's a it's a really good match still but in some um, psychology says it doesn't make too much sense uh, the way they uh, they worked it, but um, but just things like that. I remember like I was just so so heavily invested into Bret Hart and the Montreal screw job um, when that happened. I like my heart sunk. I still remember I would have been 17 years old at that time, and I felt like a little kid, like like a hero almost dying in front of your eyes and. 
Uh, I just remember my heart sunk so much when that happened, and you know, we knew exactly what was going on as it happened, and uh, it just, I just hated seeing that, and it's uh, that's etched into my mind. And then, of course, this WCW run was just horrible. Uh, some bright spots here, very match wise, but otherwise quite horrible. And then, of course, that's what ended this career. Um, so all this stuff. It still sits with me, and he he's still my favorite. And uh, I finally you know, I've seen him wrestle live back in the late nineties um, at shows, but finally got to meet him face to face with my son um, at SummerSlam in Toronto in twenty nineteen. And so and we got pictures with him. My son got to meet him, and he signed a, a wrestling figure of his. And we uh, joked around with Shawn Michaels a little bit, and uh, so that was fun. So I finally got to meet him, have a natural chat with him. Uh, just uh, a couple of years ago, and that was just great. And um, and uh, yeah, so he's he's always gonna be my favorite. So if you have to like, have like a put together a top five list, who else would be up there? So so Brett's number one. Who else would you yeah. uh, who else would you have? Like, say say Mount Rushmore of uh, of pre Paul's right. favorite wrestlers. My favorite wrestlers. That's a good question. This is always a, you know you're so well known for those posts in our Facebook group and. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of times it can be so hard to pick. Um, but um, I, I would have to say, like, you might think, like, oh, maybe I'll pick Ricky Steamboat. But I, I wouldn't put him there because I think when I was a big fan of him, it was back when I wasn't totally able to catch all of the material that was out there and everything. I just remember he was my first favorite guy, you know, because of that angle. But um, I would say other guys such as, like, um, uh, I put Owen Hart in my top four. And... I can just imagine if his untimely passing didn't happen, just how much bigger of a career he could have had. Oh, look at the guys happen. he could have worked with because he oh, would have been able to work yeah. with Kurt Angle and, and Jericho and he obviously yeah. Benoit and, and Eddie Guerrero would have come in and right. Dean Malenko. And, yeah, it, it's... Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing what could have happened. And, um, I, I mean, yeah, he might be in my personal top four because of his untimely death and how much that did hit so many of us and uh but you know it wasn't just his wwe um stuff that i remember like my my friend that i was uh my good wrestling friend he was a tape trader and so you know i remember watching all owens uh japan stuff you know and uh and all the great matches he had there and so um including his wwe run uh, before his passing definitely he's in my personal top four i would say and then the final two i think it'd be i'd have to pick come on more recent uh people and um one of them i would say would be um would be kenny omega and i know that's a controversial one for a lot of people but i love kenny and um, I love his style, uh, I love his goofiness, a lot of people don't like his, his promos and all that, but I, I, fi- I find him when he's a heel Kenny, um, like he was recently, uh, I love that stuff, like I eat it up, and um, his in-ring, like, and, and a lot of people rag on his AEW run, not a lot of people, but some people try to criticize, like, oh, it's not like his New Japan, it's not like his matches with Okada, uh, well, when we hear about how many injuries he wrestled through, in that final this year before he learned to drop the title, I can just imagine how much better his matches would have been if he was fully healthy. And so, uh, so but either way, even with that, putting on amazing matches. I, love, I like Kenny. He's in my top four. And then the fourth one, I would say, oh, that's tough. This one's tough because I have a few people uh, in my head right now of what I would pick. But I think at this point, I have to pick Danielson. I just have to with this latest run. I don't think you would. If you asked me this question four months ago, I wouldn't have put him number four. 
but uh, I think I have to now just because he's just and he's just starting this run I feel and uh, it's been amazing what he's done just in the last like three months or so I, I I thought you were going to go for another you had three Canadians I was all ready for a fourth Canadian but yeah Danielson yeah I think absolutely if we had done this list in the summer before he came to, a, to AEW he probably isn't in the list but yeah absolutely the matches he's had so far in AEW have been unbelievable yeah. I mean that that 60 minute match with uh, with Hangman I mean that was amazing and that really I mean Hangman was already made but that really solidified him for me was being able right. to hang with with Brian Danielson for 60 minutes right, right. and I, I, I think he doesn't get the credit he deserves the hangman he's I mean there's a lot of criticism about his bookings as being champion and I get that um, I agree it could have been done differently he could have had more TV screen time I didn't have to wrestle every week or anything like that but more screen time and maybe there's reasons behind why it hasn't happened that we don't know but um, I think a lot of people overlook hangman's work rate and that's one reason why he is personally right now one of my favorites um, and has been for a long time is because I feel like he has the total package in the sense of he's not perfect in any you know certain piece but he's really good in many different facets including right. um, his character just the way his character developed like I mean doesn't sometimes not cut the greatest problems sure but his character when he's doing the stuff with the bugs and BTE and all that stuff when he's doing the ups and downs with his depression and his anxiety and all that. I felt like he, he was great at that type of thing. And then his in-ring work, I think, is underrated. I love his in-ring work. Um, and uh, he's, got, he's got a good look. And uh, he's capitalized on uh, just, you know, the term cowboy shit. Like, you know, it's, like, it just, it's, uh, I, I think he's great. And um, so, sorry, taking a tangent there from what you're saying, but, uh, from Danielson, but um, I agree that, you know, what Danielson's doing right now, and this is obviously my personal top four, we're not talking about drawing and, you know, gates and all that stuff. A lot of people always want to talk about that when it comes to Mount Rushmore wrestlers, but that's not how I look at that question. I look at the question is who the four that entertain me the most. You know, that would be the four. That's a pretty good list. Um, favorite match of all time? Oh, wow. What would that okay. be? Yeah, that's that's a tough one too. I have to say, hmm, favorite match of all time. I don't know if I've ever actually sat there and said this is my favorite match of all time. So that's why it's so tough for me to answer this question. But I would say, just from a nostalgia point of view, and how many times I watched it over and over and over on VHS was Brett vs. Owen WrestleMania 10. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because um, I, think, I think I read I think just yesterday that someone asked CM Punk uh, what his favourite Bret Hart match was, and that, that's what he chose, WrestleMania 10. And also, I think a lot of people will say Razor and Sean was the best match at WrestleMania 10. But I think if yeah. you look back at it, that Bret and Owen match holds up better in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a Brett, well, maybe I am, I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I can see why, 
I can see why people uh, have nostalgia for Shawn Michaels, Razor, and Mongo. When you watch that match, um, you know, it, it was, for its time, it was groundbreaking for, for you know, a match like that. But a lot of people brought this up. Like, since then, like, we've seen a lot of crazier, much crazier stuff when it comes to ladder matches and things like that. And it's, uh, it's not just about the stunts and everything, the big spots. Like, uh, Shawn and Razor did have a good psychology in that match and everything. But... Uh, but the Brett Owen match, um, I, obviously I'm picking as maybe my, I'm going to just say maybe it's my favorite, because I think for me to pick my all-time favorite match, I really got to sit there and think about it, and that's the first one I think that comes to my mind. Um, but I, the match was just, you know, so well worked, um, and it, it had a great finish, and even though Brett lost, I still love it, and you know, Owen's you know, got his big win. Um, and uh, so that's I think if I had to you know you know uh, had to uh, make a choice it would be that one but um, you know when I think about other matches especially more recent times like some of the Omega and Akata matches like we just go from a work rate standpoint and that type of thing like I could easily see that maybe I could maybe say that would be my favorite or close to but when it comes to everything involved in a match when it comes to nostalgia when it comes to my favorite wrestler when it comes to um, and, you know, uh, just the amount of times I, you know, invested in just watching that match, I think I've got to pick that one. And I think this is not a question I ask, but if I was to ask favourite feud, I mean, Brett Owen would probably be your favourite feud then by side. You, you sort of mentioned it, you know, two or three times on, on the podcast. Yeah. But I think what was great about it was there was a little bit of realism in, in so much as you could totally believe that Owen was jealous of his much more famous older brother. I'm, yeah. I'm sure he wasn't really... I mean, maybe a little tiny bit of him was, but, I mean, Owen wasn't the kind of guy to be jealous of, of Brett, but you could totally buy into it, and Owen sold it so well, you know. That, that scene of him at the end of WrestleMania 10 when, when Brett wins the belt and everyone's out there celebrating and you've got Randy Savage and Tatanka right. and all the baby faces hoisting him up on their shoulders, and you see Owen sort of start to come down the aisle... And they're sort of encouraging him into the ring. He's like, he's got this look on his face, you know. And it's just the way he sells it is really, really good. And uh, yeah. that feud, yeah, I absolutely love that feud. And and uh, a lot of people would say Brett versus Austin for for at WrestleMania 13. I've had quite a yeah. few people mention bring that one up. I, I don't know if anyone's mentioned. Maybe they have. I, I love to say yeah. I've remembered every single answer to that question since I started yeah. doing it, but I, I unfortunately I haven't. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure someone must have mentioned. WrestleMania 10 before, but yeah, that's such a great match, and the steel cage match, as you mentioned earlier, was also really good. Uh, but uh, right, yeah, and, and just going back to Owen, Bowen, like you kind of the believability of him was that he he was a great whiner. Like his whining <laughs> was like top notch. Like you know, like it's uh, uh, my son, you know, was maybe close to him at that, but um, the uh, it's uh, he was just so believable in his whining, how upset he would get when Brett would uh, do you know go up on him and like that, that championship win after Owen got his you know win earlier that night and and all that so I think that was a big part of it is uh, and maybe that comes from their childhood you know Owen was the youngest and maybe he was a great whiner as a kid <laughs> who knows who knows yeah. what was the uh, the best live show that you ever attended would you say right so I've been to a lot of live shows, uh, many, many house shows, and many uh, TV and a couple of WrestleManias. And 
and and all that. And each one of them has their like pros and cons. Uh, I've been to a couple dud shows, uh, but more for the most part, they've all been really good. And all the shows I've been to have been WWE. I uh, haven't had the chance to go to um, FWE, like a, you know, you know, main roster or NXT, like the Coenxie shows. But um, and so this is kind of what I pick from. And um, there's you know the times for house shows are would be lot funner than TV, I would say, but. What the one if I had to pick the best, and it's mainly just because of the atmosphere and the main event, was a uh, SmackDown in Edmonton in uh, May of two thousand and one. Oh, and, the Benoit and Austin yes. match. Oh, yes. that is one of my favorite right. matches of all time. Oh yeah, yeah, my goodness. And so, for people that don't know, don't know the geography of where I'm at, um, so Edmonton's in the province over, and me and my good wrestling friend. Uh, we did a road trip to Edmonton for that show, and we didn't know what the main event was going to be or anything like that. Uh, and uh, but we knew at that time that this is when Jericho and Benoit were teaming up, they were tag team champions, and we knew they're kind of going to be in Alberta. You know, Benoit's uh, pretty much hometown, and obviously Jericho Canadian. And we just knew it was going to be great atmosphere, and uh, they'd probably do something with those guys. And uh, boy, oh boy, did they ever! That was. Um, the rest of the show was okay, wasn't the greatest. Uh, we got even a Jericho Kurangle match that show, but it was like five minutes. It is pretty disappointing how short it was, but that's a time they did a lot of short matches on Raw. I guess they are doing that now too, but um, but for that match, I'd hope for longer. But Jericho got the win, huge pop, and uh, but that Benoit Austin match had a quite a good time. I think it was at least twenty minutes, and just an amazing match. And we were ringside for it. I think we're like row two or something like that, and um, just amazing atmosphere. Uh, us Canadians, like when we got our Canadian in there, like it's it's nuts the atmosphere in those arenas, and and it was such a close match, and so many of us thought, you know, we thought, what if they do it? What if they get Benoit the title here in Edmonton? So we were just, just hoping, hoping, hoping. And then, of course, there was kind of a screw job that happened. Uh, I believe Vince ran in because he was like in a force. Vince was, this was when Austin was with Vince. And right, yeah. Vince had a referee shirt on. He's outside and he came and he punched Earl Hebner. And then as Hebner came to uh, Austin, rolled uh, Benoit up for a cheap win. But uh, which just deflated the crowd. I remember that. I was so depressed when that happened. It's like, oh shoot. Um, but we got to finish. And but that match, unbelievable. I believe. Yeah, I, I think this is a match that Benoit first did his like insane uh, amount of German suplexes. Like he yeah, had right. yeah. like 11, 11 or thirteen or something. And um, that was just for that match alone. I would say that and the atmosphere. That's my favorite live event. But I've been to other shows that overall better cards. That is for sure. And uh, one that comes to mind is NXT Takeover in uh, Toronto at 2019, the SummerSlam weekend. Me and my son went for the entire weekend for all four shows, and that takeover wasn't their best takeover, but it was a takeover, and it was back in the you know black and gold NXT time, and that was the one that had uh, Adam Cole and Gargano main event two out of three falls, and a little bit. I think the main event kind of outstays welcome a little bit. It was a little bit too long, but. Uh, but great match, and there was an awesome Io Shirai and uh, Candice LeRae match on that card. Just fantastic match, um, and uh, a couple of really good matches. And so that's overall a really good card. I did to like WrestleMania 33 in Orlando, uh, but the card's okay. 
Uh, WrestleMania. I was at the Safeco uh, Seattle uh, WrestleMania 19. Uh, that oh, yeah. Part, awesome. that, is, that is probably, I mean, a yeah. lot of people say 17 uh, was right. the best WrestleMania, but 19, I mean, that is a little bit underrated because oh, so Jericho, obviously Jericho Michaels, maybe the match of the night, um, I think may may well have been, uh, but there was other great matches on that card too. I thought Hogan and Vince, considering, yeah. you know, it's Hogan and Vince, right. I, I actually thought that match was really, really good. Yeah, no, it was very entertaining. That, that's what Vince was like. I loved Vince back then. Because he had a great uh, one with, with Flair as well at the Royal Rumble that yeah. year, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was great. And uh, that card, the only reason why I wouldn't say it's my favorite live event is because um, our the way they set up that uh, stadium for the show, we thought when we got our tickets, oh, these are going to be amazing tickets because we were just like two or three rows off the field, like uh, by the first base line and we thought and everyone thought that the ring would be kind of around second base and so it would be pretty darn close and a little bit off the floor so we have a clear line of sight because uh, this is like you know just always i, I still don't understand how people buy like row 40 wrestlemania on the floor i just don't get it um you might as well pay less money and sit up in the stands but anyways um so we thought we'd have amazing seats and then we get there we're like what the heck they put the ring like in shallow center field and so where we were sitting, it was quite a distance. And because it's a baseball field, not like a hockey arena, we were just barely off the floor, in a sense. And so anytime the floor stood up, like, you could barely see anything. Uh, we're watching on the big screen for a lot of the stuff. So uh, watching on, like, when we got home, um, we watched it on TV. Uh, it was, you know, then we got to really see the true, you know, um, you know how good the matches were and everything. So I would probably say that show if we had better seats and a better vantage point. But because of that, it goes down to this. But great atmosphere. That baseball stadium is just amazing uh, place to uh, watch baseball, wrestling, whatever it is. And so yeah, so I've been to you know a bunch of other shows, and, and my son and I were at Rock Twenty Five um, in New York. And that was a Christmas gift. We were front row for Rock Twenty Five, and as you may remember. That was a show they did half the show, or part of the show in Barclays, where, where we were. Oh, and yeah, the Manhattan Center. Manhattan Center. Yeah. And, oh, my gosh, that's probably my least favorite show. <laughs> and it's it was just, it just wasn't worth it. And, uh, uh, but it's, uh, but, you know, the, the next, you know, my son and I got to do a trip to New York together. Like, oh, that was awesome. But, um, and great seats and everything. But, oh, and when Seth came out, he recognized my son right away because he met uh, my son already a couple times. And so he, he saw him right away and, uh, uh, you know, slapped his hand and, and the camera cut away to some other thing when that happened. So he wasn't on TV getting the, getting the dap from Seth. But that was a cool experience for him. He couldn't believe that Seth recognized him. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so for those things, it was a good show. But the actual show itself and us crowd just watching on the screen the stuff in that hand center, oh, man, it wasn't good. Just a couple of things based on what you just um, talked about there. So back to the uh, the SmackDown uh, in uh, 2001 in Edmonton. Yeah. Are you able, obviously with everything that's gone on, everything that happened with, with Benoit, are you able to sit back and watch that match now? Or how do you sort of feel about watching Benoit yeah. in general? So I, I could do it. I wouldn't go out of my way to do it. So, because I think if I just I just would think about okay, let's let's bring this match up and let's just watch it from end to finish. Um, I I don't think I would be too interested in that. It's not that it's like it just it would feel I'd be feel too down. I wouldn't be able to enjoy the match. 
and like like if that whatever you know what he did never happened, obviously be told in the story. And so I just really enjoyed enjoy it at the same level, but at that time and place, like I still have hold a great memory, just like, you know, a lot of people say about Benoit, like you can't discount um, how great of a performer he was. It's just unbelievably unfortunate um, how things went with him. Mm. But and so I, I'm not one of those people who be like Blackball, don't ever put him on my TV again, that type of thing. Uh, but I'm also not seeking it either. Uh, I, you know, I wouldn't really call for it. And when you saw the uh, the Brock Lesnar Kurt Angle match live, I mean, obviously didn't have a very good uh, view, yeah. as you say, but um, did you think that Brock had ended his career there? Oh, yeah. So... I do remember being able to see that quite well because it was, you know, the shooting star press and so we could see it clearly. And I still remember in my mind's eye the way he was turning. I, I knew right away, uh-uh, this doesn't look good because he turned so slow and he kind of, and uh, already partly down, his head had barely come around. And so, and then when it happened, it's like the crowd, there was a pop and then like a kind of a, kind of a buzzing silence. And uh, then we had to see how the video was going on because they were laying flat and everyone on the floor was standing. So then I could really tell, like on the screen, then we could tell that something wrong happened. And um, and then uh, the whole finish and the wonky finish, and then once he got up, you could just tell he wasn't all there. So that was scary for sure. I remember watching that and thinking that we'd seen the last match for both guys because I remember right. going into it, there was sort of a real question mark over Kurt would even be able to have the match. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, he still went out there and did it, uh, which is no great surprise because, I mean, it's Kurt Angle. It's the guy that won a gold medal of a broken neck, for goodness sake. So, right, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it was... It was uh, yeah, when that happened, I thought, well, that's, that's it for both guys. But uh, here we are in 2022, and, and Brock's the champion again now. Brock's so. the champion, and he looks <laughs> as good as ever. Like, it's amazing. It's, uh, Brock's a... He, he is a true definition of genetic freak. He's... Uh, uh, you know, whatever we can say about WWE and the book and everything, I can't blame Vince for loving Brock Lesnar to this day. I mean, this uh, is the guy that they chose to end the streak. So when, when people sort of rag on them or, or they put the belt on Brock again, they've done, they've done a really good job of protecting him, considering that oh, that yeah, streak was so... You know, that was held in such high regard. It was more sort of important than the championship, really right. it, it became more important than the championship and Brock was the guy that ended it so I, I think yeah. that he deserves the Undertaker treatment for lack of a better term if anyone yeah. if anyone deserves to get it it's him probably yeah. yeah it is and I just think a lot of people sour on him because when he did end up winning the Universal title um, a couple of years ago like WrestleMania 33 I was at that WrestleMania where he beat Goldberg for it when, once he got that title is like that title just disappeared um, right, it was yeah. barely on TV ever, and we showed for a pay per view. And I think that's where I really soured on. It's like Vince, if you're going to give him the title, um, like you got to understand, like your fans want to see the title, they want to see a program with it, um, and uh, that I think uh, was, um, you know, not the greatest thing because he held it for so long too. And but then the um, and he even beat Roman. Remember, thought Roman was going to beat him, uh, you know, the next WrestleMania, whatever it was, and so. The uh, so this time around, I think it's gonna be a little different story because he seems to show up on TV a lot more. Like, yeah, he's not gonna have matches on Raw or SmackDown, which is okay. I don't think the champion needs to wrestle all the time, um, especially the way they book, where they just make the champions lose all the time. Um, and they would never do that with Brock, so just keep him off. But if he shows up on TV fairly often to do angles and things like that, then it's not that big of a problem this time. But 
Um, so I think that's the one part I don't like with uh, Brock, but otherwise you just look at him now and just like, man, how can you not push this guy to move in? Like, he has to be your he has to be a beast. Absolutely. So, and he's he's one guy I will sort of seek out. If if I hear that Brock's back, he's doing something, I'll watch it. Like the stuff of Sami Zayn, yeah, really entertaining. And and I, that's a side of Brock that, that not a lot of people talk about. But he's always been, he's always had that in him to be an entertaining character. You you, you think that he's just a guy that um, goes out there and and uh, takes people to Suplex City and Paul Heyman has to do all the talking for him. But actually, no, he's, he has got charisma. He has got personality. And, and uh, this latest run that he's on has really shown that, I think. Yep. I agree 100%. And I think he's uh, better as a natural babyface than he is maybe as a heel persona if he had to do my, you know, promos and stuff as a heel. Um, I think this goofy, kind of funny uh, Brock... Um, comes across a lot more natural than if he had to like force heel promos and so so i guess it's probably why they always had him to speak for him um but but i agree he's he's uh, it looks like he's having fun and i mm. felt like when he came back and did that whole thing beat goldberg and then just kept the title off tv he wasn't having fun he's, he was no you could tell yeah, when he, that was, like, was i don't want to be here was yeah. that the time when he threw the belt of vince in gorilla Right, yeah. Well, that was when he ended up beating Roman at WrestleMania when I thought Roman was going to win. And so this is like the next year. And I guess when he came back through the uh, currency, he threw it. And some people still say it was a work to work the work the locker room for some reason. But uh, who knows? But uh, but that was the next year um, when he beat Roman. So some people were saying, oh, he didn't really want to keep the title. And Vince decided, I'll keep it on you. And I don't know the great details behind it, but uh, that did happen about a year later. And you can just tell he wasn't having the fun. He just showed up to get his paycheck, work a match, beat somebody, you know, once in a while show up on Raw, uh, you know, F5 someone five times. And um, But this time, he, he looks like he's having fun and making his money, you know, so... So you weren't at the uh, Toronto show. I think it was Survivor Series where um, Goldberg beat him in like two minutes. So yeah, so it wasn't at that Toronto. Show. We were at a SummerSlam in Toronto, 2019. Um, and so, but there was a Survivor Series in Toronto. Yes, I know what you're talking about. Where um, Goldberg uh, took him out like uh, right away. Uh, but that one we worked at live. The final question I ask everyone is in many ways the hardest one because there's so many different angles you can go out with it um so many different ways of answering it if you could change one thing about the wrestling business just one thing what would it be so is there one thing that stands out to you that you think you you know you would like to change if you could uh yeah there's there's quite a few um but i think for my from the entertainment standpoint and because I want to like the product um, I want to look at all the hours of wrestling all week and be like my goodness like yes so much to look forward to this week instead of skipping it like I am right now with WWE stuff is I want WWE to get rid of the scripted promos right let these yeah. guys speak for themselves sure give them bullet points of what the angles about what you want them to say or what the topic should be, but let them just run with it. And I know it's never going to happen. It's obviously never going to happen. Uh, uh, at least not while this is around. And even after that, I doubt it will happen because all these WWE wrestlers are now being trained to memorize scripts and many of them won't know how to speak off the top of their head. And it's not and just... Sorry, it's not just about the fact it's written for them. It's also the verbiage, which no one would ever use. In, I can't stand it. Yeah, I really can't stand it. I think when I did, 
I think I had no guess one week and I, I sort of asked myself these questions <laughs> and uh, that was my answer I think to this was uh, yeah I would get rid of scripted promos because it's so much better I mean there's a reason why Paul Heyman is one of the best it's not just because it's Paul Heyman but it's because he writes his own stuff you know and and, and you can tell I mean, I, there's not many examples unfortunately but when Bray Wyatt was around um, you could tell that he had a lot of input and he wrote a lot of his own stuff and that's and, and it just stands out and it, it just yeah you can you can tell um, but um, yeah I, I, I just can't stand it and I also think did you see this year's Wrestlemania where they had the rain delay and, and uh, they were kind of forced to do their own promos yeah. it was so much yeah. better Oh, so much better. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, let Shane be one of them, and that was a mistake, though. That was a mistake. Um, Shane definitely is not one of us. But, uh, but, yeah, no, you're right. It's uh, uh, when you give some of these guys just a chance to do it. And sometimes, like, these guys will do, um, you know, stuff that just goes on, you know, W.com or their YouTube, where they, uh, where Vince plays, you know, what's going on. And they'll have, like, Sammy Zane do a promo backstage after a match. And that stuff is straight off the top of his head. Um, or the Miz, so the Miz promo on uh, was it Talking right. Smack with um, Daniel Bryan? Oh, amazing stuff! And you know, I'll, I'll rag on his whole time that many of us do, um, but you know, he does have the ability to do that, and so many of these guys do. And um, it's uh, you know, I even seen Corbin do like Corbin I, when he's doing the script. He comes across, as you can tell, he's doing a scripted thing, and it just doesn't come across great. But when he just talks off the top of his head, uses his personality, uh, which I've seen a few times like online, um, so much better. And I'd probably be a much bigger Corbin fan if he was allowed to do that in front of the camera. And I think he'd be a much bigger star, a much bigger heel, um, if he was allowed to do that. And, and it's true for a lot of these guys. And not everyone's going to be a good natural promo. A lot of people do need maybe these scripts and the verbiage. But oh yeah, the verbiage. I I, I just I shake my head. And my son even laughs at it. It's like how many times did someone just say the word opportunity in one promo? <laughs> it's like it's his favorite word, opportunity. Something opportunity, opportunity. It's just like it just drives into your head, and you start to notice it, and it takes away from what they're doing. And that's the problem for me. It's like I can't get lost in it then. Whereas if we watch maybe stuff on AEW where it's more off the top of the head, you can get more lost into the promo. Like the CM Punk MJF promo oh, from some weeks back. Like, yeah. uh, the first one. Like it's it, it's just like you can't do that. You can't replicate that in WWE. And now I'm going to go a little bit of tangent here, but it's about the same topic. It's like all this talk lately about, oh, will MJF ever go to WWE? They're playing it up as a storyline. And I personally don't believe he will because he's smart enough to know. All these people that feel like he should be in WWE, could you imagine what Vince McMahon would do with MJF if he had him? MJF would never, ever be allowed to say half the stuff he says right now. Ever. And he would never be allowed to cut promos off the top of his head, plus his size. I think a lot of people should forget that. And that's why the person I think Adam Cole got the heck out of there was um, the guys their size just aren't going to be the guys that get the, uh, the push. And so, uh, but that's, you know, example of that. Like, imagine MJF coming up in WWE system. He would not be the MJF we know. One, just one final question before I let you go. Um, obviously, there's a lot, well, not a lot, but there's, there's, there's quite a few free agents out there right now. I, I personally think AEW has signed enough guys. There's, there's nobody that I'm kind of, clamoring to see in AEW but is there any, anyone for you that out there right now that you think they should yeah. definitely sign 
Yeah, good, good question. Um, I think uh, you posted about this earlier in the Facebook group. Like they just announced they signed Jake Atlas. Um, yeah, and, I like uh, I like him. I think he's a great talent. I just don't really like feel they need, need to sign him. Yeah, well, that, I agree with that. Like, they, they are getting a lot of good workers, but are any of these guys going to be what they need to push their product, their brand to that next step of popularity? And you know, having more talent than not is always a good problem to have, but that's going to eventually lead to unhappy workers. And I don't want to get into the whole black school thing that just happened, but, you know, that's one example of it. And it's going to happen more and more often um, as they have people who can't give TV time to, and that's not going to be a good arc for your company when free agents want to sign. It's like, oh, but I heard from my buddy, you know, he's pretty upset because he hasn't been on TV for the last four weeks and told he's not listening. You know, that type of thing will start to spread. And and so I agree. I don't think they should be signing everybody. But one person that recently I was really hoping would sign but didn't was KO. Um, I, I really did yeah. want to see him in AEW, and that's for my own selfish reasons. Obviously, he has his own very good reasons for um, re-signing before he even became a free agent, before even hearing another offer. But um, I was really wanting to see him in AEW. And but for people that um, you know that uh, could go you know, that uh, would be maybe coming up. I mean, once again, I would love to see Gargano there. But once again, do they really need him? I don't think I can say yes. And if he shows up, whose spot is taken away? And whose TV tank is taken away? And that's why I know that, I know that's one reason why they have big factions. It's so they get many people on the TV screen at once. Um, and so could, would he just join a faction and just get lost in the mix or would he be on his own like Danielson? Um, but I would love to see him there. Like I'm not going to complain one bit if Argana shows up, but it's one of those things where it's, uh, I don't know, no, don't know if it's needed. Um, but the other, but the one person that's out there that I really do want to see in AEW is Keith Lee. I definitely want to see Keith Lee there. Um, I, I want him to get a shot to be the big star that he definitely should be. Yeah, I think Keith Lee is is um, someone they should definitely, and they should probably take um, uh, uh, Mia Yim. Um, they may as well take yeah. Mia Yim as well because I mean that's one. I mean they just signed obviously Mercedes. Um, they had yes. Ruby um, come in uh, this year, and I think that is, um, and, and now they've got uh, the possibility of signing um, oh, the girl, Tony, oh, Storm. Tony Storm. Tony Storm. Right. Um, yeah. I, I, I would say yes to all of that. All the, I would say yes to, to signing Tony Storm. I'd say yes to signing Mia Yim because I, I do think the women's division is one area where they could potentially do with um, some improvement. 100%. Uh, I think if they are going to sign more talent um, to maybe replace some other people on the TV, it would be in the women's division. And uh, Tony Storm would be an absolute amazing get for them if that's what she wants to do too. And I'm sure Tony... Uh, Con would love to sign it. Just depends on what she wants to do, and uh, but she'd be a great get. And that's what I think. That's where they need to really focus on big free agents is in that division. Uh, it's getting better. They're getting more workers there, and uh, I just want Serena Deeb on my TV every week. That's all. Oh, I'm yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, she's she. I mean, a lot of people said this, but I I said like you know so long goes well. Like she reminds me of Bret Hart like so much. Oh yeah, like, and know, did you see that she dressed up yeah. as Bret for um, Halloween? Right, yeah, and she wore that gear recently. Uh, that was the Heart uh, Foundation colors, and uh, but it's not even just outside that. Just the way she makes everything look real. That's what I loved about Brett. He's like he would do his best to make it look like this really hurts. To make it look like he's hurting, 
you know, selling. And she's amazing at that. And so I'm happy she's on TV more now, and I hope they keep that up with her. As we record this, I mean, Dynamite tomorrow night, there's some really big matches. Um, do you foresee, obviously, we're going to get the very first TBS champion. Um, I don't know. I honestly don't know who it will be. I, I'm sort of, I'm leaning more towards Ruby at this precise moment, but it wouldn't shock me at all if Jade, if Jade won. Uh, have, you yeah. got, have you got a uh, pick for that one? You know... And once again, I guess I didn't really want to get into the whole black swole thing, but I think I have to a little bit with this ah. answer because they're in a no-win situation now. Right? Yeah, yeah. And it's and they give it to Jade and be like, "Oh, you're just doing that because of the backlash that just happened." You give it to Ruby and be like, "Ah ha ha! See, look, we were right. You know, you didn't give the title to an African American." And so I don't feel I don't know what they're going to do. Honestly, I don't know if the whole black swole thing didn't happen. And that wasn't in my mind. I was like, well, that going to affect Tony's booking? And I don't know if it would, but let's say he seems to be like a guy he's trying to like just say, you know, screw off to all that, such the way he tweeted. But um, if we just say that whole stuff didn't happen, I would say I think Ruby's winning it. Um, and I think that's the better decision. Uh, Jade has to lose at some point. I think this would be a good place for her to lose. Yeah. She's just not good enough in the ring to run with that title. And... It's, uh, I'd hope she'd be better by now, but she's still very green, and uh, Ruby can, you know, the TBS title's going to be booked like the TNT title, um, we're, we should be getting lots of matches with it, and uh, Ruby can go out there and work matches with many different um, uh, other female wrestlers, and, you know, for the most part, have really good matches, so uh, from that standpoint, um, I feel like it should be Ruby that wins, but I just don't know the way they're going to go now. Yeah, it could go either way, but I think Ruby. I think Ruby should win. I think she will win as well because I, I think that Tony's the kind of guy that once he's decided on a direction, yeah, he 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 stays that direction. It, it would take something sort of monumental for him to to veer yeah. off that direction. So I, I think they're going to. I think they're going to go with Ruby, but we'll see. It could go either way. But Danielson and and Hangman, I mean, it's it's not the time to beat Hangman. Uh, how do you see? How do you see it going though? Do you think they yeah. they can't possibly do another draw? Can they? No, I think they're just trying to tease it because I believe they are opening the show with the match again. Right. Um, because they've said that we're going to kick off the TBS era with the match, and that way also, you know, in case it does go an hour day of time, and then you're not, you know, you know that it might. And I don't think they'll have the judges and everything, but I don't think I think they'll go a long time. I just don't think they'll go the full hour. Um, and I, if I was Tony, and here's the thing, I'm a big Hangman fan, first to admit it, but I'm also a massive Danielson fan, so I'm not just saying it's because of that, but this is the time to solidify Hangman as your champion. You have him beat Danielson clean in the middle. This is the time to do it, and some of those criticisms that the booking of Hangman will start to go away as long as they follow up properly, and that's always the key, just like, you know, Dave always says, uh, you know, it's all about the follow-up, and this will be the first step to really solidifying him as a champ. Um, and uh, and then maybe at Revo- uh, is it every revolution? Yes. Yeah, revolution. Yeah. Uh, then I'm foreseeing it will be MJF as the contender. So do you uh, see MJF and Punk having a match sooner rather than later, and MJF wins that, and then he goes against Hangman? Yeah, I'm, you know, good question. I think maybe, because some people think, well, maybe it'll be Punk and MJF at that revolution, but it's like, that's like uh, at least two and a half months away, Revolution. Right, because I think it's March this year, isn't it, rather than February? Yeah, 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. So at least eight weeks away, maybe nine weeks. And so they could we push it off that long. I mean, AW can. They, you know, we, we know they can do this stuff. But would that be a good idea? I don't know. Uh, so maybe there will be a big like dynamite match or something with uh, those two, and maybe the number one contenders match, and maybe that's where NGF goes over. And so I can see that happening. I can also see it the other way. I can see Punk being NGF, but I think that and then he uh, goes for the title of Revolution. But I only see that happening if Dennison then wins the title tomorrow night. Right. Because uh, if Dennison stays as the kind of the, the you know shit kicking heel, then you know having to face Punk would be a better kind of dynamic. I'm kind of a little torn because I, you know, I see it being MJF versus Hangman next, yeah, but I kind of see Hangman not losing it just yet, and I kind of feel that the guy he should eventually lose it to may be MJF. Right, yeah, and so and I would be okay with that if they continue to build the whole MJF title shot um, well, and especially if MJF gets that win over Punk on the way there, I think then uh, you don't waste that win on Punk uh, for him losing the title shot. I think he has to win the title at that point. Um, and then you can do a Punk-MJF program for that title later in the year. And uh, like maybe double or nothing. But, um, and maybe Punk wins that. But if MJF does dethrone and uh, Hangman after Revolution. As long as Hangman doesn't just have this win and then does next to nothing for the next three or four weeks, you know, have him get some more wins, have him on TV more, build him up as a strong champion, and then when MJF beats him, it'll mean something. And then, of course, we've got uh, the tag title match tomorrow night with the Lucha Bros versus Jurassic Express. I don't think it's a time to beat the Lucha Bros. Um, I, I see him retaining. Yeah, and I think part of that's um, going to be, you know, everyone's seen it coming, the whole Christian turn. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jungle yeah. Boy. And so, and I don't see the uh, Jurassic Express winning the titles and then the turn happening like that, unless they win the titles and the turn doesn't happen right away and Christian gets more jealous as their champions. Maybe that's what they're going to do. Um, then I can see the uh, Jurassic Express uh, winning. Now, the thing is, if Jurassic Express loses, they've had a lot of use Vince's term opportunities and they always fall short and not just Jungle Boy as a single wrestler but as a tag team and I feel like and maybe I'm remembering this wrong but I, I feel like they've been number one contenders multiple times and lost every time well they have lost every yeah. time because they have yeah. the champions but and so if they do it again it's like okay well how far can we go with that but if it's done because Christian cost them the match um, in a really clever way then, then it's all good then it's like, well, you know, it's a loss is a loss, but because, you know, Christian screwed up or purposely screwed up, um, then I then I think it'd be fine. But since you've got to have a winner, that's the great thing about AEW. You know you're going to get a winner. Like, you just, I mean, once in a while, draw, but otherwise you know you're going to get a winner. And um, that's the amazing thing. You don't have to worry about, ah, they'll just do a schmoz at the end. It's just going to be a DQ. You know, because they can easily do that for every, you know, any big match. They should, they should do a DQ at some point, though. You know, it's about the value. Yeah, I yeah. think they have to to put in your mind, uh, you know what, you might get a DQ. Uh, and then when you don't get it, you're really happy, right? So it's, uh, well, right now, they, now it's like when the DQ, the problem is when the DQ happens now, it's going to just, you know, the fans will hate it. Unless it's done well, like in a clever way, because they're like, um, you know, we don't get DQs here. So, uh, but they got to do it. And I, they did it once, I guess, in that um, two out of three false match, or Iron Man match, during an Iron Man match with uh, Pac and uh, Kenny. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. Pack purposely, yeah. purposely got himself DQ'd and then put then submitted them. But yeah, no, I agree. They got to do it at some point. Yeah. And then just quickly, we've got the uh, Battle of the Belts on Saturday night. It's uh, Rio and uh, Britt Baker for the women's title. I mean, this is um, 
yeah, it's not time to beat Brit. I mean, Brit's definitely going to get her win back because obviously Rio has got a victory over Brit. Um, so I see Brit winning that one. And then Sammy and Cody, um, as much as I'd love to see Sammy get it back, I think Cody's probably going to retain there as well. Yeah, I think so. Um, it's it's interesting during this match again because that means Sammy's probably losing again and his momentum has just kind of come to a halt then at that point, big time. And so there's uh, there's risk with doing that. Um, and his run as TNT champion also wasn't the greatest. Uh, you know, amazing match with JV. I remember that, that match was great, but um, you know, hasn't been the greatest run. But uh, So yeah, I agree. I think Cody's winning that match. I agree. I think Brett's winning her match. And I... I, I I think a lot of us are thinking that Thunder Rosa is probably Britt's next opponent because um, yeah. they got to come back to that now that Britt's champion. So, but who knows? Maybe not. But the uh, but yeah, the whole Cody thing. Like I, you know, I probably go on for a whole nother hour talking about the whole Cody dynamic. <laughs> but I, I personally love it. I, I eat it up. Like the fact he's so self-aware. And I, stuff. I loved him winning the belt in a way because it yeah. it really just plays into his character right now and. Mm-hmm. Um, even sort of kind of teasing the pedigree a little bit um in that yeah. i love that as well because I, I know there was uh i listened to the um observer radio uh where obviously dave does the spoilers and he kind of didn't know for sure if um could he actually won the pedigree or not didn't he i, I don't know if you heard that particular episode but um yeah, yeah. no i i love that finish and and uh i think cody um i love the t-shirt as well with the uh the the, the hill baby face um and what what is it it's, it's hill baby yeah. face and the last option is winner and it's got a, a it's got a tick yeah yeah that's a great shirt i mean he's he's uh he's He's so good at playing, like, uh, you know, people are saying that he's, like, you know, Brian has said this often, he's he's a heel who thinks he's a babyface. That's exactly what he is. Like, he comes out popping, screaming at the crowd, and he knows how most of the crowd is booing him, but he's still, you know, if you have the sound off, you think the crowd's going crazy the way he's, like, looking at the crowd and trying to pump them up. Um, and so it's, it's a really, it's, it's a unique dynamic that happened organically. And sometimes those, not sometimes, most of the time, those are the best things when these type of things happen organically. And, um, you know, it's, he's always said, I'm never turned heel and all this stuff. But in a sense, he is a heel. Um, you know, he's not a dastardly heel, but he's a heel right now, um, in my eyes, um, in some sense. And he's so self-aware of what's going on. And uh, it's uh, it's only going to get better, in my opinion. I think him having the belt is going to make that better. The heat's going to get stronger and stronger as he... Uh, retains that title do you think to really solidify him as a heel he should challenge for the for the title they should go against that stipulation and he should challenge for the main title it's it's so tough because a lot of people get hung up and i know dave really gets hung up on this where he's like you know what aw is known for is not breaking the stipulations so once you break that first one people aren't going to trust your stipulations any longer and i agree that is true, and it's a big stipulation. So, but would that really hurt business going forward? That's my question. Is like, if they do that, if they do another stipulation match involving other people, are people really going to look at it and be like, oh, I'm not buying that pay-per-view because they broke that Cody stick. It took them four years, but they broke it. Um, you know, I don't think so. I personally don't think that. They did it all the time. 
like WWE does, that's a different story. You're going to eventually lose people. But um, you do it just for this, and you do it. It has to be done so clever, though, and I don't know how they would do it. It can't just be, you know what, I want for the title, I'm going to go it. It can't be that. It has to be something that's done in a very kind of, you know, very planned out way, where it's like, okay, you know what, that's clever how they came about that, uh, because that would just be ultimate that match, whoever would be the champion, obviously be a face. Uh, with the, I just imagine, imagine the atmosphere for that match if it ever happened. We could talk all day, couldn't we? And uh, I, I said we were going to go about forty minutes, fifty minutes. We've gone over an hour, but that's that's my okay. fault because I, I, yeah, I, I didn't hey, want. I, to... I hey, I don't care. I don't mind. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, the conversation. I'm sure, as like as I say to every guest, I mean, this podcast idea that I came up with was just because obviously having so much fun in the the Facebook group and getting to know everyone, and I thought, oh, well, it'd be nice to sort of sit down and just chew the fat and, and find out how everyone sort of became wrestling fans and i've really enjoyed and i'm i've got i've got some great guests lined up and i'm like but at at some point i'm going to run out of guests uh, for this particular okay. podcast so I'll, I'll obviously move on and do other things and uh whatever i choose to do in the future i'd love to have you back on i'd be more than happy to david it's been a great time yeah i've really 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 enjoyed it so uh for pre i'm david signing off and thank you for listening for, to another episode of the How I Caught the Wrestling Bug podcast. <laughs>